Hold your Bible up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind and a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, I will never be the same. Shout it out, never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God one more big praise. He's worth it. Amen. Before I get rolling here and forget all about it, good to have Evan home, good to have Rochelle home. Hey, Chris, good to see you in the house. Amen. These guys are off at school. You guys all stand up. Let us, let us greet you here. Stand up. Come on, stand up. Anybody else here home from school? We're, we're praying for you guys. Good. We're praying for you and believing God for a great increase. God's going to give them insight so he can use them to help change us. Amen. So uh, be praying for these guys every every time you get a chance and lift them up in prayer. And believe God that uh, destiny and purpose is going to unfold right in front of them. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. Amen. We've been talking about becoming a wholehearted seeker of God. Amen. Becoming a wholehearted seeker of God. You, you realize that in order to seek God with a whole heart, the first thing that you're probably going to have to do is get your heart made whole. Hard to seek God with a whole heart when your heart's messed up and broken and shattered. We got to be made whole first. Amen. We, we got to be made whole first. Psalms 119, verse 2, it, it says this. It says that blessed are they that keep his testimonies. How many of you realize that keeping his testimony is going to position you to win or succeed in every given situation in life? The word blessed, you know, the blessings. I think sometimes when we're thinking about the blessing, we're thinking about a financial increase or a position on at work or, or a new car. No, the word blessing means to be positioned to win or succeed in every in any given situation. When you're blessed, you are positioned to win. So blessed is the man that keeps God's testimony. Do you realize you walk in agreement with the Word of God? You're going to be positioned to win and succeed, right? And blessed is the man that seeks Him with a whole heart. Well, we got to get to a place where God can make our heart whole so that we can seek Him with that whole heart. Here's our problem is that our hearts are kind of twisted, perverted, a little hard, maybe chunks missing, and we're seeking him with what we got. But God wants to restore, renew, revive, refresh. He wants to make your heart whole. He wants your life to be whole. John 10, 10, he said, uh, Jesus said, I come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance to the top till it overflows. It's zoe life. That's the Greek word there, zoe. God life, eternal life, eternal life. Eternal life does not start when you die. It starts when you get born again, right? It, it's God life on this earth right here, right now. Not in the sweet by and by, but in the nasty here and now. God life pumping through your veins. Hello, somebody. And to get that kind of life going, he needs your heart to be made whole. Your heart, the word heart from Genesis to Revelation thoughts, and feelings. To seek Him with, with your whole heart is every thought is influenced, shaped by His thought. Oh, come on. Yeah, every thought shaped, influenced, and touched by His thoughts, His plan. Think about your life under His direction. It's very difficult for us because Many, many, many of us think that what we're doing 
is the right thing. But we've never even asked God, never gone to God, don't know what God has to say about any of that stuff. We say we're believers, but we don't have very much more than a T-shirt and a bumper sticker. We have not had a real life change. We're living the same life we were before. Guys, that's wrong. That's the, that's the wrong life. That's that lower life. You know, Matthew 10, 39 says, you want the high life, you got to let go of the low life. Well, that lower life that, that we've settled in for, that's the, that's the life of a broken heart. That's the life of a messed up mindset. That's the life of a mentality that's separated from God. That's a secular system of logic. And God has his system of logic Right In the beginning was the word. That is the word logos. That's where we get our word logic. In the beginning, God had his system of logic. And he needed it to be uh, you know, infused into the heart of man. But man has rejected God's thoughts. We think we're right. Look at your neighbor and say, wow, you really do need this. <laughs> Romans 12, 1. Check this out. Romans 12, 1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg you, we're begging you, in view of all the mercies of God, make a decisive dedication of your body, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice. We're begging you, take your entire life and make it a sacrifice. Okay, th this God life is going to cost you something. Don't shout me down. This God life, living God's way, is gonna, is, that's why it's called a sacrifice. Because it's going to hurt. You know, sacrificing your flesh, man, I got news for you. It, it don't always feel good. It, it don't come easy. But, he said, we're begging you because this is your reasonable service. Look at, look at that, point. your intelligent service. In other words, if you try to live God life your way, you're not very bright. You're not going to get God results living life your, your way. Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Death is not dead. Death is separated. Remember the prodigal son? When he was coming home, his father said, this is my beloved son who was dead. He is alive again. Well, he wasn't dead. He was separated. So there is a way that seems right to you. Here's what we do. We focus on the way. But the end is separated from the end that God had for us. See, we should focus on the end and let God direct the way. But we try to focus on the way that seems right, and we end up separated from the end that is right. You got an enemy that's trying to keep you from connecting to the purpose and plan of God. And he's genius. At, he's brilliant. Because all he has to do is get you to think that you know what's right. Seems right to me. Well, I tell you what I think. What you think is what's got you separated from God. You can't live by what you think and be real smart. you got to live by what God thinks. He said, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You better rise up to a different process of thought. You can say, well, I don't have to agree with you, Pastor Tom. No, you do not have to agree with me, but you do have to agree with the Word of God. Hello? Well, how am I going to do that? Well, you go to verse 2. You do not let this world squeeze you into its mold. Don't be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after, adapted to its superficial custom, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind. New ideas, new attitude. Some of y'all need some new ideas and a new attitude. Come on. You need new ideas. You need to get your brain off of birth control. Give, thought, give, give birth to a new thought. Okay? You, you've been thinking the same old stupid stuff forever. Change it. Have a new thought. Right? 
Can you believe what he just said? Yes, it's second service Sunday. Okay. This thing's squeezing on my brain a little bit. It makes me forget who I am and where I am. Okay, so, so have a new thought, a new thought and a new attitude, and we don't have to ask anybody if you need this. Yes, we need some new attitude, right? So we got we to gotta renew our mind, renew our mind, that we got, might prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, something that many people don't get. It's like we just can't wrap our brain around this reality. If you don't renew your mind to the Word of God in a certain area of life, then in that area of life, you cannot have the will of God. Would I make you mad before the birth control thing? Uh, Listen, guys. I'm just not a real religious guy, okay? Uh, I, I don't like religion. I'm after relationship. And if, if birth control thought thing, if that upsets you, wait till the end of the service. Uh, you got to renew your mind or you ain't going to have the will of God. If you don't renew your mind to the word of God concerning your home, you're not going to have the will of God in your home. It won't happen. You know, well, what's the will of God for my home? Isaiah 32, 18, he said, my people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, a quiet resting place. If you don't renew your mind to the word of God in your home, you're not going to have the will of God in your home. You're just going to have chaos and struggle and, you know, it's going to be a mess. If you won't renew your mind to the word of God concerning your marriage, you're not going to have the will of God in your marriage. Well, I'm not going to renew, what do you mean, renew my mind to the word of God? I'm doing everything right. Really? Husbands, love your wife. Even as Christ loved the church, gave himself for it, died. Okay, husbands, if it kills you, love your wife. But I'll do that when she gets, no, you've got to renew your mind to the word of God. If you don't renew your mind to the word of God, you're not going to have the will of God. I don't know. Maybe you've never heard Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope in the future. God has a plan to prosper you. That word prosper is not financial. That word prosper means to rise to a certain level, a desired level. There's a level of life that God needs you to rise to so you can even connect to his plan. His plan is going to demand growth and increase in every aspect of your life. His plan, you can't have his plan if you won't renew your mind. So you can't get the hope of the future unless you renew your mind to his plan. If you won't do what God said, he can't produce what he promised. You want your heart made whole? You're going to have to renew your mind. You're going to have to line up your belief system with God's word. It's got to happen. I said it's got to happen. If you don't have God's mind, you ain't going to get God's will. Look at Proverbs 13, 13. Ignore the word, suffer. Honor his word, grow rich. But we're just suffering for Jesus. Well, you're just stupid. Jesus suffered so you wouldn't have to. Right? I don't get this thing. You know, uh, if we're not suffering, we're not holy. You've got to be joking. He was wounded. For my transgressions. So I don't have to be wounded again. He took it so I, because he knew I wouldn't deal with it. Right? You know, my suffering, you know, my, well, we all, we all got our cross to bear. Yeah, that is denying yourself. 
do you desire to be my disciple? That'll preach right there, just that one phrase. Do you do, what, where's your desire? Do you desire to be my disciple? Then take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Put, taking up your cross is denying yourself. It ain't all about you. Six billion people on the planet, every one of them belong to a specialized group, a special group that you cannot have membership to. It's called others. So if there's six billion others, then it can't be about you. So even what God's going to do in you, it ain't about you. It's to get through you. That's all the suffering you got to do is to kill yourself. Okay? Don't suffer. If you, if you ignore God's word, if you're, let me put it this way. If your family is suffering, it's because you've ignored God's word. How come they all looking at me like that? If your finances are suffering, I'll tell you why. Because you've ignored God's word. Business suffering, hmm, should have done what God said. Well, haven't you ever had a hard time? Yes, having one right now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> but I'll win you over. <laughs> Honor God's word. Grow rich. Isn't that lifestyle you want? What, what does that mean? That you're blessed. Position to win. Succeed in any given situation. His ability. Put on top of my ability so that I can do what was impossible to do yesterday. Why? Because I know something today I didn't know yesterday. Right? Increasing in knowledge. The, you know, the mind of our understanding being enlightened that we might know the hope of the calling. We, we are getting educated in the Word of God so we can go out and conquer and demonstrate Satan's defeat. Your life ought to humiliate hell. Come on, guys. Come on now, let's live the life that God has called us to live. Somebody say amen. You realize that if you honor God's word, if you, if you begin to pay attention to God's word, you realize God's word is going to change your thoughts. Oh, hear me. You, you get in the word of God, it's going to change the way you think. And when, when, when you have God's thoughts, God's thoughts are going to change your emotion. You're going to feel differently about stuff than you did before. And God's emotion is going to change your choices. You won't choose what you used to choose because all of a sudden God's word has changed the way you think and God's thoughts have changed the way you feel and God's emotions have changed the way you make your choices. Hello? God's word. See, remember back in the day, remember before you were born again, somebody cut you off in traffic and, well, you know what you did, right? That was before you were born again, right? Right, that, that was before you were born again, right? Jesus, help me. Okay, after you're born again, even, even the baby Christians stop cussing people out. Oh, we might be on something here. Even the toddlers in Jesus stop throwing the bird. Hello. Why? Because they're being changed. Hey, if you're still doing what you did before you were born again, you ain't been born again. You're just bored again. You're the same as you were. Remember, remember the letter that God wrote to the church in Revelation. It's about chapter 3. He wrote these different letters. One of them was to the church at Laodicea. And he said, I know your works, you're, that you're, not, you're, you're neither hot nor cold. I would that you would be hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I want to spit you out of my mouth. Remember that? Okay, 
Many of us have been taught our whole life that hot and cold, hot, that meant on fire for God, cold, that meant cold-hearted, hard-hearted against God. And, and we've been told that what God said in that letter was, I, I wish you were either on fire for me or that you were stubborn and rebellious. But because you're right in the middle, you make me sick. Okay. Close, but not quite. In Laodicea, north of Laodicea, there was a city that had hot springs. People would come from all around the country to get into the hot springs. It, you know, it was therapeutic. It, it felt good. It made them feel better. It brought healing, restoration to them. You know, it's like you going home, getting in the hot tub. You know, you like it. South of Laodicea was a city that had cold springs. Ice cold water bubbled up out of the ground. People would come throughout all the desert to get there to get because it was so refreshing. Well, Laodicea didn't have hot springs. They didn't have cold springs. They had no springs, but they had great cash, a bunch of money. So they built systems to bring the water into Laodicea. Brilliant idea with one exception. By the time the hot spring got there, it was room temperature. By the time the cold spring got there, it was room temperature. So really, even with all your wealth, you still ain't got nothing special. You ain't got nothing that brings healing and restoration to people. You ain't got nothing that is refreshing to people. You look like everybody else has got a T-shirt and a bumper sticker. Come on now, he's talking to us. You, you, you got the same life that the guy smoking reefer committing adultery's got, but yet you say you're a Christian. What is wrong with that picture? I would that you would just get hot and bring healing to people. It is my desire that you'd get cold and refreshing. And that when people got close to you, they'd, they'd be renewed and encouraged and strengthened. I wish they could see the manifestation of my glory in your life instead of you settling for room temperature Christianity. Hello? See, that's what we're trying to move away from. Mike Murdoch said that the, the, the thing that angers you will give you insight to your purpose or destiny. And, and i got to tell you what just irritates me to no end. Our believers... They don't have any more life in them than people who are separated from God. Frustrates me. Frustrates me when people come up and say, Pastor, will you pray for us? We've tried everything. You've tried everything. Now, now we're going to try prayer. Has it finally come down to this? Dear, dear God, it must be rough. We're going to have to trust God. <laughs> well, don't mock me in my pain. Well, don't stay there. Get out of that. How about this? Get your big boy pants on. Take the floaties off. Move down to the deep end of the pool. Let's go. Someone's been waiting in the shallows. Shoot, we, we're not even in the shallow end. We're over in the kiddie pool, the pee-pee pool. That's where the kids are. Where You know, this down is nasty. Get out of that. <laughs> Told you. Okay, there's some things you got to have. Look at this, Acts 16, 31. Check it out. You want some revelation? You want some rhema? Study this, especially from the message. Look at this. They said, uh, put your entire trust in the master Jesus. Oh, by the way, you know the story, right? Paul and Silas are in prison. They've been chained up and beaten for their belief in Jesus, their connection to it. And in the middle of the night, at midnight, they began to sing and praise God. You know, like all Christians do. You, you've read the Bible, right? You do realize that Christi Christians, let, let's just stop for a second. Christians, I actually have a couple extra minutes. Uh, Christians, according to the Word of God, they don't complain. You know, according to the Word of God, Christians do not backstab. Here's one for you. According to the Word of God, Christians do not find fault. 
Who are we? Maybe time we'll get born again again. These guys are in prison, and they're praising God. You know, like Christians would do. When things aren't looking good, they're just praising him anyways. You know, like, like we do all the time. Shouldn't be shocked. You know what's, what's funny is that when you read the story, the most shocking thing, it's the point of all the sermons I've heard all my life growing up in church. It, at midnight, they began to sing praises, and everybody goes, oh, they were such great people of faith. No, they were Christians. That's what we do when things ain't going good. We praise him anyway. You know, like you do. <laughs> the earth was shaking. Prison doors popped open. Chains came off. Prisoners heard them. The jailer's about ready to kill himself, and they called out to the one that had beaten them, the one that had, that had held them in prison, the one that had held them in bondage, the one who had been mean to them. They yelled out to him like all of us would do, do thyself no harm. Push it in deeper. Yeah. Do thyself no harm. He came in. The jailer came in, and they said, what must I do to be saved? And here's his answer. Put your entire trust in the master Jesus. Okay, guys, I, I just got to tell you something. That's crazy. Put your entire trust in Jesus. Trust God. Here's your issue. Trust God. Here's what it comes down to. Trust God. You know why you don't love your wife the way you should? Because you don't believe God that if you do what he said, he'll produce what he promised. You think it has something to do with her. No, you're, you know, it ain't got nothing to do with her. It has to do with trusting him. You know why you won't submit to your husband? Because he's a jerk. No, that's not why. You don't submit to your husband because you don't trust God. You know why you don't tithe? You know why you don't bring offerings? You know why you don't give? It's not because you're so tight you squeak. It's because you don't trust God. <laughs> you don't believe that if you did what he said, he produced what he promised. You don't believe him. Look what it said. Put your entire trust in the Lord. Then you'll live like you were meant to live. Oh, guys, that's good. You'll live like you were meant to live when you start trusting him. You just, you trust him, you just live right. You just live right. Oh, and look at the best part. And everyone in your house included. Your kids ain't got a chance if you just trust God and live right. They'll try to separate themselves. They're going to try all kinds of other stuff. They're going to try, and then they're going to see, that don't get the results that you always get. Put your trust in God. Hebrews 10, 35. Cast not therefore away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience. After you have done the will of God, you shall receive the promise. Don't throw away your confidence. That's your trust. Don't, don't let go of your, of your confidence. It, that your reward's tied to that. If the enemy can sabotage your trust, he can rip from your grip your promise. Your promise is connected to your trust. Don't let go of your trust. You have need of patience. You know, what does patience mean? It means to remain the same all the way to the end. You have need of patience. You, you were trusting God on the good day. Well, don't change on the bad. You were trusting God when you started. Don't give up on him in the middle. God declares the end at the beginning. If you were listening at the beginning, then in the middle, you know that wasn't the end. So if you know the end at the beginning, you won't quit in the middle. 
just remain the same all the way to the end. You li- that's living the way you're supposed to live. See, we believe God for our children at the beginning. Well, in the middle, some of them looked like they weren't going to serve him. And we had days where, where, you know, the smile was wiped off of our face, but the root of joy was in our heart. It grew up. And then we remember, oh, yeah, we got an end. This isn't the end. This is just the middle. Now that serving God. Hello, somebody? Trust him. Then you'll live the way you're supposed to live. You and your entire house. Okay, there's four things you got to have if you're going to live the way you're supposed to live. You ready? Four things. You got your pen? You ready? Four things. Number one, you got to have vision to see. Everybody say vision. Number two, you got to have faith to believe. Say faith. Okay? Number three, you got to have courage to do. Say courage. Number four, you got to have hope to endure. Say hope. So you got to have the vision to see it. You got to have the faith to believe it. You got to have the courage to do it. And you got to have the hope to endure it. Okay? You got to have vision to see it. You need to ask God, show me what you see. See, some of you, you don't see yourself the way God sees you. You have a bad day, something bad happens, you say, I'm so stupid. That's not, that's not how God sees you. See, God, God wired you to win. He has positioned you to win. Hello? He, he called you in your mother's womb. He formed you. He, he called you by your name, and he did not say, hey, stupid, come here. He, he called you by a different name. And you, you see yourself differently than God does. You've got to see what God sees. You've got to ask God, open my eyes. See, in that letter that he wrote to the church of Laodicea, he said, you know what, guys, come get gold from me that's been tried in a fire. Come get raiment from me. I, I want you to dress the way, uh, you know, in righteousness. And, and come to me. I'll put salve on your eyes and open your eyes so you can see. You need to see what God sees when he looks at you. Man, you're a winner. You're a winner. You realize the greatest challenge that you'll ever face, you've already faced it and won. What do you think the odds are in the Boston Marathon? How many runners are there? Million? You know, getting up there close to a million to one? Well, you've already been in a race 20 times larger than that and won. What'd you forget? Remember when your mommy and daddy got together? Millions of sperm going for one egg. You're the winner. I'm the winner. You got to stop on the way home today. Buy a trophy. Big one. Big old honking thing. Remind yourself every day, I've already won the biggest race I'll ever be in. The greatest challenge I'll ever face, I already have victory in. According to 1 John chapter 4 and chapter 5, if you are in God, you have already overcome the wicked one. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You got to see it. You got to see. I am ready for anything and equal to everything that comes my way through Christ who is infusing me with an inner strength. I am blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field. I am above only and not beneath. I am the head and not the tail. You got to see what God sees when he looks at you. You know what's really weird in Job, in the book of Job, Satan's in talking to God about Job, and he says it's not fair that you have conferred prosperity upon him. You have surrounded him with a hedge of protection. How do you realize that that is not what Satan was saying to Job? 
When Satan was talking to Job, he was saying, you're such a loser. You've lost everything. You're going under. And Satan's talking to God about Job. He's like, it's not fair. You've, you've protected him. You've covered him. I can't really get to him. You know, when the enemy's talking to you, he ain't telling you the truth. You have an unfair advantage. I don't know if you see just your response right there. You don't see it. You need to see it. You have an unfair advantage. You can't lose. I said you can't lose. If you do what God said, he's going to produce what he promised. Well, wait a minute. I don't need to wait a minute. I can't, I can't lose. I might not get the results on a daily basis that I think I should, but God thinks differently than I do. And if I just stick with God, by the time I get to the end, I'll be a happy camper. Hello? But I just got to trust God, live the way I'm supposed to live, and all of a sudden, I'm going to see myself in victory. I got to have vision to see it. You know what else? I got to have, once I get the vision to see it, I got to have the faith to believe it. I know a lot of people that can see it, but they don't believe it. They, they, they see it, yep, yep, we're supposed to walk in prosperity, yep. But, you know, for, for us, we've had a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, I've seen God heal others, but, you know, this thing in my body, wait a minute. Now that, now that you can see it, yes, I see God heals. But you got to believe. you got to have the faith to believe it. You know, faith is not only believing regardless of circumstances, also obeying regardless of consequence. There are some things that when God shows you, now you got to obey it, what you see. You see yourself victorious. Well, now you got to live in obedience to victory. Let me put it this way. You see that peace is for your house. Well, now you got to be in obedience to peace because if you're the one that keeps disrupting the peace, you might have to shut us your mouth. You might have to change. Now you got to walk in obedience to what you see. Hello? Well, if you see yourself as a blessing, now you got to walk in obedience to that. you got to have the faith to obey and bless somebody. You guys looking at me like you're ticked off. Man, you got to have, you, you, you got to have what it takes to believe it. Then you got to have the courage to do it. Okay? 365 times in your Bible it says fear not or be not dismayed or makes uh, uh, allude to the fact that you should not live in fear. That's every day of the year. Why? Well, why would the Bible say fear not? Because it's going to get scary. It's going to take some courage to do what God's called you to do, to be who God's called you to be. It's going to take some courage. Why? Because anything dead can float downstream. It takes strength, life, investment to go upstream. Anybody can be room temperature. But you want to be on fire? You want to be refreshing? It, it's going to take some courage to be that way. Hello, somebody. Daniel 11.32 says, The people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. If you ain't got no strength because you don't know your God. If you don't have that courage, you just need to learn more about God. You need to encourage yourself in the Lord. Amen? L look at Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. We know these, right? Be strong and of good courage. Be strong. Be God would not tell you to do something he hadn't equipped you to succeed at. God could not look at you and say, be strong if strength were not an option. 
Matter of fact, he's willing to be your strength. Be strong and of good courage. Everybody say good. You know, you can go around the world and say good. Isn't God good? And they'll respond with all the time. And all the time, God is good. All over the world, any denomination you want, good, good, good. And people don't even know what good means. Uh, isn't God good? Yes, he's good. He's so good. He's so, well, what does good mean? Not bad. No, the word good means something that gives of itself for the betterment of its environment. Think about creation process. God's creating. He's got the sun. He said it is good. Ask any scientist, they'll tell you the sun's getting smaller every day, every year. They can measure it's smaller. Why? Because it's giving of itself for the betterment of its environment. Oh, no, what are we going to do when the sun runs out? Well, I bet God knew how long we'd need it. So it's big enough. Here's the deal. Be of good courage. Good courage is courage that improves its environment. In other words, people without courage are encouraged by your courage in your situation. I just am so encouraged when I watch you live your life the way you should live it. I look at your situation and realize that you have handled yourself in a manner that has produced a different outcome than I saw. Because you had courage. That's good courage. Courage that makes somebody else feel like they can make it. You know what that means? I got to tell you, there's good news and there's bad news, okay? There's, there's, the, there's the bright side and the oh-oh side of courage, good, of good courage. Good courage means that you're going to have to go through some junk that others are also going through so that they can be encouraged by your ability to make it so they know they can too. But they won't know they can too if you won't go through. Good courage is worthless if you won't go through what they're going through. Sometimes you're so frustrated. Why do I have to deal with this? Why did this happen to me? Why does good things happen to good or bad things happen to good people? So that when it's happening to bad people, you can be a strength to them. Got to keep going. Under this people, oh, you be strong and of good courage for under those people. It's not about you. It's about those people. I think sometimes we forget that. That what God's doing in you, it ain't about you. What God's doing for you, it's not all about you. What God's doing through you, it ain't about you. I just want to be a blessing. Why? Because I think being a blessing would be cool. Why? Because then people would like me more. This ain't about you. You know, I hope that you're not greeting because you need a hug. Hope you're greeting because you know that God needs you to make a difference in the life of somebody else. Hope that you're not serving in the body so that you'll look better. No, it's to minister to other people. This ain't about us. It's about other people. What God's doing in our house and, and, and in this church is not about us. It's about what God wants to do in the community. Hello? Okay, verse 7. Be strong. There's a theme. Be strong. Be very courageous that you might observe to do. It's going to take courage to do what God's called you to do. Don't turn from it to the right hand, to the left. Prosper everywhere you go. Look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that you might observe to do all that is written therein. For then you're going to make your way prosperous. Then you're going to have great success. Look at verse 9. Have I not commanded thee? Oh, this is a commandment. 
be strong. If strength is a commandment, weakness is a sin. If you're a weak Christian, you're a sinner. Thank you for that crazy response right there. <laughs> Thanks. There's what we're looking for. Okay. Be strong and have good courage. Don't be afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. God's going to be with you. God's got, I remember, you know, we're in the process of buying property. Got 10 acres right out here. It should close sometime this month. When it does, we'll really celebrate. We'll drive out there. We'll march around, scream or whatever. Okay. But, but I, I remember when we were looking, when we were just, we're, you know, in the process, where are we going to be? We need to really pray about where we're going to be. You know, every time we pray, this is the scripture we got. Wherever you go, I will be with you. Are you sure this is the right spot? It could be any spot. What, where are you at in life? Who cares? He's with you. He's with you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's with you. You got to have the courage to do it. Last but not least, you got to have the hope to endure it. Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know what we're talking about is that brokenheartedness. How are you going to seek God with a whole heart, with a heart that's not made whole? Well, that's hope deferred. I got to tell you something. You think that hope deferred means a promise given to you by your boss, but he gave the promotion to somebody else. Now hope is deferred. You think that hope deferred is a ministry opportunity that you had, but, but somebody won't let you have it. You think hope deferred. It, no, hope deferred is when you have chosen to let go of your hope. Hope deferred. Hope, if you don't have hope, it's, it's a choice you've made. It's, it's, picture a child that doesn't get what he wants, so he's taking his ball and going home. Why? Well, you made me mad, and I ain't going to play no more. That's hope deferred. Go study it out. Well, the enemy has robbed me of my hope. No, you gave up your hope because you didn't get what you wanted, when you wanted, how you wanted, for as long as you wanted. You baby. But if you're going to grow, you're going to choose to have hope. One of the definitions of the word hope, the Greek word, uh, is a rope. A rope. So, in other words, it's what you use to tie yourself to a certain thing until you get it. Picture yourself in the chute with your boots on, your chaps, your cowboy hat, your big buckle. You're on the back of a bull, 2,000 pounds of guacamole-making machine. They hand you a rope to tie yourself to the bull. If you don't have the rope, you ain't got a hope. With the rope, this is going to get interesting. But if you ain't going to use the rope, you might as well head to the pawn shop with the buckle, sell the truck and the hitch, get rid of the hat and the western wear. Don't even walk around looking like one because you ain't a cowboy. Right? But if you're going to be a champion, you're going to use the rope. You're going to tie yourself to the bull. You're going to look at the thing, at the guys out there. And you're going to nod your head and say, let's go. And you're going to cowboy up. And if you don't cowboy up, you ain't going to be no champion. You, you might have the T-shirt, you might have the bumper sticker, you might carry a family-sized Bible, but until you get hope again, you ain't a believer. 
Believers are not hopeless. That they have tied themselves to the promise of God. And they are not going to let go. And if it bucks them off, you know what they're going to do? Unless they're dead, they're climbing back in the chute again. Why? Because that's what we do. We haven't given up hope. Well, I'm going to ride bulls without ropes because that rope burnt my hand. Not bright. <laughs> you got to get your hope back. You got to have vision to see it. You got to have faith to believe it. You got to have courage to do it. And you got to have hope to endure it. Because I got news for you guys. This is going to be a ride and a half. When that gate swings open, yeehaw! But it sure beats sitting in the stands watching other people ride bulls. Aren't you tired of reading books and listening to tapes about people who've done what's planted in your heart? You've got a vision. You've got a dream. You've got a purpose. You've got, you got to see it. You've got to believe it. You've got to get some courage, and you've got to get out there and do it. Tie yourself to it. Tie yourself to do it. Just trust God. Trust God. Live like you're supposed to. It's on the back of a 2,000-pound bull. Look at your neighbor and say, cowboy up. <laughs> Close your book. Bow your head. Let me pray for you.